So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes I would say college now more than UFC. But this week, we give you the best of James Harden and his amazing performance recently in only three quarters. Uh, there's Melo and his performance throughout the week that made him player of the week in the NBA. Uh, we're definitely going to cover the Patriots and uh, the 49ers, the Ravens, and all of week 13. But we also throw in a little bit of college with Alabama's loss. Um, but before we really get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening. And also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, yeah, subscribe, subscribe. It makes it real easy. It'll pop up for you. We will be there for you each week um, with the news. So uh, t- today we, we start in the NBA. Uh, we're starting with Melo and his very impressive come back to the NBA being out of the league for a full year and not many teams showing that they wanted him a part of their team. Uh, but this past week, as Melo's only been back in the league for two weeks, has made the player of the week uh, in the NBA. Now, during this time, he averaged 22.3 games points per game, 7.7 rebounds per game, and is shooting 57.4% from the floor. Yes, I said it again. I will say it again for you. 57.4% from the floor. So is Carmelo Anthony's comments of saying this ain't no farewell tour, is it reasonable for us to think that the best days of Carmelo are still ahead of him in the NBA? The only way I see that Carmelo Anthony's best days are ahead of him if he wins a championship with the Portland Trailblazers. If not that, then no. His best days are far gone. There's, his best days are over um, unless he wins a championship. And I don't see the Portland Trailblazers winning a championship because there's too many other talented teams out there. And the Portland Trailblazers, they were struggling for a very long time before they got him. Um, they have some missing pieces, and he added some he added some scoring to them. Um, and they've only played a couple of cupcake teams, nobody that's really that good. Um, but he's doing well in the spot that he's given. Um, he has made a comeback, but... I would say this is the proper farewell tour for him. I, I don't see this being a prolonged stint for him with the Portland Trailblazers. Okay. Well, his comments about this ain't no farewell tour, I say I agree with him. It's not a farewell tour. It's a prequel to the farewell tour. He has max two years on him in the NBA. I just personally think maybe I'm wrong and maybe hopefully hopefully I am wrong. I'm not a, any type of hater against Melo, but we definitely have to see. He has to prove it, and he's, he's proven it uh, so far. So I'm actually quite impressed 
by the 22.3 points per game. I thought he's coming back max putting up 17 point games, points in a game uh, this early. And now he's also averaging 7.7 rebounds, which is very, very, uh, a very good stat to add on to a team. And what's most impressive is that 57.4% from the floor. That's more than half his shots are going in. That's very efficient. Uh, so it's a reasonable, reasonable to say the best days are ahead of Melo. Maybe stat-wise, or not quite stat-wise, but yeah, stat-wise. I, I, I'll put, I, no, 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 no. I'm going I'm to tell you how. I'm going to tell you how. Because stat-wise, because of just the markers he's going to hit. I was going to say not because that's not stats. That's, uh, that's not this year's stats. But overall stats, he's going to hit a lot of markers. So if you want to look at it in that sense, yes, that's the best days ahead of him. But when it comes to actual glory days, like he's actually going to win something worth being able to celebrate, I do think that's behind him. But it would be quite impressive if he won a championship with Trailblazers because that would that would really submit a legacy for him. Yeah, that would really help in his legacy. But it's not going to put him in top 50 best players of all time or anything. Um, at, at this point, there's really no way that he gets put into that category. Um, the Portland Trailblazers, uh, I mean, they could go on some type of run, but I, I really don't see that. There's too many other talented teams out there. And most of those players on that team, they crack under pressure. Um, mm. And they don't have much of any defense. And Carmelo Anthony doesn't add too much to defense. He's going to score, of course, but I don't see any glory days ahead of him. There'll be glory days because people are just fiending to see Melo. But I'll move to the next question about him because there's only really two here. Um, at this point in history, what is the legacy, legacy of Melo if he is done today? If he's done today, he is one of the best scorers that ever played in the NBA. Uh, multiple all-star appearances. Um gold medalist winner three times and just an all around great offensive player um, that never won a ring. He is one of the best players that ever played in the league, but just not good enough to get you over the edge and be that number one player. Yeah, I, I can, I hear you, but the problem with that is the best scorer is so many players right now in this era of no defense is is really up for grabs on who's the best scorer ever. Uh, and this is not even a full uh, new wave of the NBA coming because that's put on uh, Steph Curry. That's put on uh, what's it, Kevin Durant. That's put on Harden. That's put on certain players that who's the best scorer in the league. Um, so by using that and saying that he was one of the best scorers in the league ever, it's going to get washed out in this current no defense league. And yeah, I almost forgot about the, the Olympic rings when we were just talking about this, maybe because I'm thinking of him in the league now and maybe he needs to submit more legacy there. But right now, if it ended today, 
Melo is not the top in top fifty at all. Like looking at numbers, like probably having to go through the numbers, it's, he might get thrown out of the top seventy five. I know that's disrespectful, but is it? Let's be real. <laughs> I don't think so. Wow. Okay. Okay. So maybe I didn't know you would agree, but I'm pretty sure there's some listeners out there that will think that's uh, disrespectful. <laughs> no, I don't think that's disrespectful. I mean, he. He was a, a really great player. He was one of the top picks in his He's draft. still in the league. You said it was. Okay, well, he is. Well, he's not washed up. I wouldn't say he's washed up. It's it's hard to define him right now. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people trying to hold on to his glory days. Um, he cannot carry a team. He is a, a very good scorer uh, whenever he wants to be. But he's going to take away parts of the other team when it comes okay. to success. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this. When has he ever been able to carry a team other than Syracuse in college? He did it with the Knicks. But how far did they get ever? They got to, I think, the second round of the playoffs. And they lost, right? Yeah, they lost. Okay, but so I'm that's, not saying- winning, that's, that's winning one round. Like, that's, that's <laughs> not saying you did a lot. Like, if LeBron only did that, and that was the best uh him leading a team, that wouldn't be defined as leading a team. And they're literally of the same era. But you, you people don't hold LeBron and Carmelo Anthony to the same level. Uh, true, but Carmelo Anthony considers stuff like that. Well, that that's him. We're talking on the outside. I, obviously, so. he's not like in the, in the best conversation, but he thinks he, he just one star lower. That's what he thinks. Um, when you say one star lower, what what do you mean by that? Uh, I, I, actually, I'll do it by video game standards. He thinks he's <laughs> a half a star. He thinks he's a half a star lower than LeBron. If LeBron's a five star, you mean right now? Yes, always. Oh. Like oh. In, in the conversation, always. <laughs> no. I, I, do you not think that he thinks like that? At at one point, but not right now. No. No, no. I, I mean, like to when he's looking at his entire career as a whole, even including now, because he's doing pretty good. Like, so this is not a bad part to put in there, uh, especially with the return. So, if, if with that, do you not think he doesn't think of himself a little bit only less than LeBron? I think he always thought of himself as he could always be just like LeBron, but it just didn't play out that way. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Um, I think he said whenever he was out of the league, whenever he was talking to Stephen A. Smith, that he didn't have teams like LeBron, which is very true. LeBron has, well, ever since he left Cleveland the first time, he's always had talent on his team. But Carmelo Anthony has only really had, I would say, maybe two or three teams with talent on it. Well, LeBron has had way more talent on his team over the I, past over the past five, six, seven years. I can hear you, but I can also disagree with that. Um, I think LeBron, of course, is smarter about his moves, and he's just smarter about his moves in basketball. Now, the what I'm going to argue about really good teams. Uh, the first year he came back to Cleveland when Kyrie was hurt and Kevin Love was hurt, uh-uh, that's not counting as having talent. And they were on the team, but they weren't playing. 
Um, that was only up until the playoffs. Well, Kyrie wasn't there for a long time. That was uh, in playoffs what happened with uh, Kevin Love. So no, Kyrie, Ky- was Ky- Kyrie played the first game of the finals, and then he got hurt. He played mm-hmm. throughout that whole playoff run. He got hurt in that first game against was, the Warriors. So when did Kevin Love get hurt? And maybe I think he got hurt around. in that first series, first and second okay, series. Okay, he was yeah, against so, the Celtics. So it's the early uh, other way around. Okay, I'll okay, I guess I'll give you that. But um, Melo did have uh, Allen Iverson. He did have. Um, he had an older Allen Iverson. He did, and he had JJ. Uh, well, not JJ. Um, <laughs> what's his name? He was also on JR Smith. JR Smith. Come on now. I wasn't even trying to make a joke there. I really wasn't even trying to make a joke there about JJ. But uh, yeah, uh, JR Smith. He had. What is he that? Had, <laughs> I, I knew. He had Amar, uh, Amari Stoudemire. He had, oh, washed up Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, he got hurt during that time. I hear you. But I don't think he ever should have. Like, not ever. He had chances to. He had chances to join better teams. He just didn't take it. Yeah, so, and he, literally when he made the jump to New York, he chose, right there was the biggest jump towards money over better team. And, of course, he wanted to be home and wanted to play for the Knicks. But it really did go against him and his legacy. Um, but we, we spent a good amount of time on that. Uh, moving on to James Harden, who has had some very impressive games lately and did one quite amazing feat uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, he scored a 60-point game in just three quarters of play, did not even play in the fourth quarter. 60-point game in three quarters. So since he has become such an efficient scorer and crazy isolation player, how close do you consider James Harden to Michael Jordan since he is the first player to average 30-plus points per game in three seasons straight since Michael Jordan was in the league? How close is he to Michael Jordan? I would say not too close because it all comes down to what, what do you do in the playoffs? Can you close the deal? And has he closed the deal yet? No. He's had multiple failures where he didn't show up. There was multiple times where James Harden has not shown up whenever he scored multiple points in regular season and played very well. Um, And Michael Jordan, he came through every time. He has six rings and has never lost a NBA Finals. So I I would say they're not really close at all. James Harden, he has to start coming through and winning in the playoffs. That's where the comparison can start once he gets there. Well, I I completely agree. Uh, The distance between James Harden and uh, Michael Jordan, even though he has been extremely efficient, is about six fingers distance between each other. Six fingers with rings, uh, where James Harden has came up empty, he was in a finals one time, and that was when he was with OKC, and it was uh, Kevin Durant and uh, Russell Westbrook when they made it there, and they all came up short there uh, against LeBron's first. I was pretty sure that was his first championship he won. Um, yeah, it is. And 
then after that, he hasn't made it back. Uh, so he, he can put on his belt that he's made it to the Western Conference Finals multiple seasons and is pretty much guaranteed a good spot to, uh, to get there. Um, but I can't put him in the same league. It's, it's all about what you do in the playoffs because everybody can score now. And he's extremely great at scoring, but it's hero ball. And sometimes it just does not work out, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. And he doesn't get the same amount of calls in the playoffs. Uh, referees let calls, let plays go more often than they do in the regular season. And the defense gets harder on players. Um, and James Harden attempts the most free throws in the league on average, just about every single year. And he doesn't get the, the same amount of fouls in the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree. It is more about that. Um, he he works the system when it comes to the regular season. And the system lets him work down. But he also needs to know uh, the – for some reason, the rules change and tighten up as the playoffs start, which we all kind of want and expect. Uh, the regular season is like a practice season, which is one reason why the NBA is looking to try to change uh, the way they go about a season. They're not getting enough viewers. Um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of players don't – unless they don't have to – are going to get in in the way or possibly injure another player uh, when the regular season you shouldn't play that hard in defense unless it's a significant game. Yeah, I'll have to agree. Yeah. Um, so since we're not really putting him close to Michael Jordan in history um, as of right now or maybe ever, um, where do you place James Harden in the MVP race this year? He's definitely one of the top three people in the MVP race. I know people have just basically turned them off since they just feel like, ah, oh, he just does that every night, but you shouldn't take that for granted. He's putting up big numbers, um, carrying his team to one of the top seeds in the Western conference, which is very tough, uh, every single year. So we really can't take that lightly. Um, but I guess it's really the, Russell Westbrook syndrome. He's doing it every year, so people are just going to tune it out. And they want to see something new. And I guess everybody is attracting towards LeBron James and Giannis right now. Yeah. Um, that's So that's who your top three is, right? Right now, Harden, LeBron, and Giannis? Uh, yeah, and Luka Doncic, he would probably be the fourth one. Okay. Uh, I can respect that because I think it's kind of in, interchangeable in a lot of different ways. Uh, it's not many other players. There's some players like maybe even Siakam because uh, the Raptors are doing very well to have lost a major player, um, especially with Siakam's really raising his points per game. So it, it like he would be a very big dark horse, but he does uh, – deserve to be in the conversation um and yeah i would have to agree it's it's, it's those four but where do i place him in that <sighs> it's hard because when nobody's no... from week to week yeah it changes from week to week but i think 
people are just not impressed, or at least not the voters. The voters aren't impressed anymore by him scoring a lot of points. So it just like with Russell Westbrook and the triple doubles, it was like, hey, we love that trick. The second time we saw the trick, we or the ten thousand thousand time we saw that trick, uh, we're no longer impressed. So he he doesn't get the MVP anymore for averaging triple doubles in the season because we've seen it. Um, just like with James Harden, he doesn't get far because it seems like he's a one-trick pony until that trick doesn't work. Um, so I would still possibly put him in the number five spot between behind Siakam just because how vital Siakam has been to his team, which is what MVP should mean. Oh, that's disrespectful. Why, why would you put him lower? I, I'm telling you why. Who's more valuable? Because I think uh, that they could possibly – they wouldn't have exactly the same record. But if it was just Russell Westbrook and Harden was hurt for that this part of the season, I think they have just about as good odds to uh, make the same record they have now. It just wouldn't be these impressive points that uh, James Harden is stacking up. Uh, I don't think you should just downplay it like that. It's – you, you're playing into the the voters' side where you're just not impressed by the same thing over and over. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I, I agree. Yes, I agree. I'm I'm not, and I think that's gonna hurt him because it does depend on other people. It does depend on the voters and the audience to be enamored by what he's doing to vote him MVP. And right now, we're a whole lot more impressed by what LeBron's doing in his 17th year, where Giannis is at points are averaging along with his rebounds, along with his assists. And uh, even Siakam, if you're paying attention to how much a player is vital to another team. So it's all about the storyline, really. Even Luka. <laughs> even Luka. Luka has an amazing story. Yes, it is part of the – partly uh, the um, – the storyline because you are campaigning. This is it's a campaign. It's it's just like you saw what Lamar Jackson did on Monday night. I know this is a whole different sport, but it, it is a com- campaign. It's all about storyline. <laughs> it, it's not all about it, it, it but it definitely plays a huge part in it. It helps. It helps. It now I wouldn't say no. It it does not play a huge part because you can have a great story and not have the uh, scoring or have the stats. You must have the stats to even get a storyline. And James Harden's, sorry, yeah, James Harden's storyline is just not that impressive right now because we've seen that trick. Hey, you can keep running it up. We're not going to be impressed till you get a ring. But that that shouldn't matter. It's a regular season award. What do you mean uh, by a regular season award? Like it's the MVP. A, the MVP. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But people, I I agree. But when you stack it against other uh, just better storylines along with stats, even though their stats are not the same stats, they under, voters are going to look towards other people. I'm telling you, the NBA is itching to give LeBron uh, the MVP. Uh, now, Giannis, eh, they saw those tricks, but he's he's ramped it up. So they can't deny him for – nobody can deny him about where he should be in this race. Luca just coming out of nowhere in his second year and, and balling off on triple doubles – and he's performing extremely well as he's done in a different league at a younger age. And I personally just think that Siakam's like what he's done this year is quite impressive for a team, which should put you in the MVP race. When it comes to Harden, you're doing what 
I saw many other years. But he's ramped it up like you, the same case that you made for Giannis. It's the same thing. You just yeah, downplaying what he's doing. Point, it's just points, though. I want to like I understand he has actually gotten better about his defense also because he does get a, a lot of flack for that. Uh, and I'm not. I'm really not a hater against Harden. Like I really like Harden. But when I'm looking at storylines along with stats, I'm just looking at different things like i know it's actually disrespectful to put him uh behind siakam it really is but when i envision what an mvp is it's about how vital you are to your team would you have those those wins if you weren't on the team and i just don't think that harden's uh shoot around is more important than how how siakam has been vital to to the raptors having a great record right now I completely disagree. They, I, don't, I don't think they would have the amount of success without him putting up his points. And it's not just his points. He's still averaging a high amount of assists and rebounds. Uh, yeah, we can, I, I, I know we're just we're actually nitpicking right here because I, I know I know it's disrespectful to say it. I know. I'm just saying what I envision an MVP to do. I personally think that they could have still got a lot of those wins without Harden being there. They just would have got a little bit more practice about being a team versus it being shoot around for James Harden. Well, well we're just going to have to disagree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I really don't even. Uh, yeah. Like I, I agree. It's not a problem to disagree on that. I think we're still both nitpicking because we literally still have the same five. Well, I don't know whether you have Siakam in it, but we at least have four of the same five in the top MVP MVP race. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but moving on to college, we're moving on to Alabama, the big juggernaut in football. They are highly known as the best program out there with Nick Saban as the head coach and a consistent great recruiter for college players uh, to come there for football. Uh, a very big powerhouse and ever since the college playoffs has started, has been in the running, which only allows four teams in all of college to be in, uh, making it to where most people or some people feel it is the Alabama invitation or they will, the voters will find any way to get Alabama into these playoffs. But with a loss to Auburn 48 to 45 on Saturday, it is completely put Alabama out of the race to be in the college playoffs due to them now acquiring two losses this season. But since Alabama was ranked number five at the time the game begun and was likely to return to the college playoffs after the last week of these regular season games ended, do you think the lack of fan base and haters of Alabama will lower the viewership and interest in the college playoffs this year? No, I, I don't think it will. Um, I, even though Alabama has been in the playoffs every single year for uh, college, I don't think the the ratings will go down. I I think the ratings will be just as high or even more because um, people like to see parity. They like they don't like to see the same team all the time. Just just look at the Patriots. People always go against the Patriots. They're tired of seeing them go to the Super Bowl. Like They're like, oh, let's get somebody else in there. They're, they're always going against them. Um, so I, I think this is actually really good 
Um, a, a lot of people want to see some new teams in there. Uh, they they want to see a mix up. Uh, and I, I guess it's great for the sport to see parity. Okay. So I completely agree on wanting to see different people in there, but I completely disagree on whether it's going to lower viewership and interest in the college playoffs because Alabama really is that big that the fan base alone brings a lot to the viewership and the haters. It brings even more now have, without having that pure hate for a, a, a juggernaut. I think it does lower the interest in the playoffs. I think it it's like how I catch the results. Uh, if, uh, if I'm available type of thing when it comes to the playoffs now, I a whole lot of real college fans will tune in. I do not underestimate that. But the casual fan, the one who even just wants to hate against Alabama, will not be tuning in. Well, yeah, there, there will be those that won't tune in, those those haters of that team. But there will be new ones that will come in because they see those teams that have had um, success in the past, like Ohio State, LSU. Those teams have had a lot of success in the past, um, along with Clemson. Um, that's probably haters for them. They want to see them lose. Um, Clemson, I think, has been in the college playoff ever since it started. Yeah, I would agree. Um, like, but I... Okay, okay. let's say, for example, with the Cavaliers and the Warriors, how many people do you think still kept watching over and over year after year with that same finals? I think a lot. I think even, I think it's, it, it didn't matter when it came to regular season, but when it came to the playoffs, it mattered. It is, you can't underestimate a marquee name. Uh, because the marquee names in NBA right now is LeBron, Steph Curry, the Warriors as a franchise, Giannis, and uh, now bringing in Kawhi. Well, I'm just going to say personally, since the Warriors just made the their team so stacked, and especially that last year uh, where LeBron was on the Cavaliers, I didn't really watch much of the games. Um, I watched the first game, that one where LeBron dropped like 50 points, and then J.R. Smith decided to take a nap on <laughs> on offense and run the ball out of bounds. But personally, I, I didn't. I stopped watching after that because I, I knew that it was over. I, I knew that the Warriors just had too much for the Cavs, even going into that finals. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Because, I, I, I mean, I, you know the results. I, I, <laughs> I hear you, but I think people still tuned in. We wanted to see the miracle because LeBron had already pulled it off once. Of but course, that was, was, extremely that was a different team. I agree. It's overstacked when you throw in Kevin Durant, which we all know. Like, what's crazy is they could have really ended up with one ring. I know I'm going sidetrack here, but they could have ended up with one ring if the Rockets could have hit at least one or two threes in the Western Conference Finals. Right or, now, Harden could have a ring. He could have a ring right now because I, th- I still think Houston would have beat those Cavs. Uh, but LeBron was great. We we don't fully know because it's an overstacked team with the Warriors. But I really do think that Warriors could have really ended up with one ring out of that little trip with Kevin Durant. Yeah, or 
Kevin Rant could have took care of business before he even went there and not lose after being up three to one on the Warriors. That whole 73 and nine would have been thrown in the trash. I mean, it kind of was in the end. But, it was. Um, LeBron was it, uh, it Thanos. It would have been OKC in that finals instead of the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. I, could, I Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, just keep we're going to I'm going to reline it up with because uh, the subject, subject is Alabama. But since Alabama is a extremely marquee name and marquee school to go to for football, has Alabama and Nick Saban seen the last of being the undisputed best football program, especially with more money reaching players pockets very soon? No, I don't think so. I, I think most players will still go out and go to Alabama, but the pool is going to be spread out even more now. I, I think more teams, well, more players are choosing other teams instead of just Alabama. Alabama will still have that high talent, but the playing field is going to be more even now. Well, then that means that that is the last uh, that they've seen of the undisputed best football program. What, what what I'm saying is, like, on, on an outside look, all those voters and people who follow oh, yeah, yeah. the college game, they're Agreed. still going to have them as the number one undisputed team even going into next year. Agreed, yeah. I'm not even saying now, just like in the first year. I think in the next five years. This is more. The question is more about the next five years because I don't still don't see them firing Nick Saban at any point. He's won five championships with him. He has a life pass, I think, on this uh, team. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there will be undisputed best team uh, with players actually about to get money in their pockets. They can spread it across the nation now. Boosters can give you money. Yeah. So, yeah, they yeah, I, I say by the end of those five years, yeah, they'll they won't be that team anymore where everybody's just going to have them number one at the beginning of the season. Yeah, because everybody has their time where they're not the best anymore. Uh, that was the time not not too long ago. Uh, South Carolina was the best team in South Car in the state of South Carolina, where Clemson is now that top dog. Uh, you remember with Clowney's uh, year and a couple of those years, along with USC and California, um, they were undisputedly the greatest uh, franchise. I'm sorry, not franchise, but uh, college for football at that time. We had the best stars uh, with Reggie Bush and um, who was the quarterback? Matt Leinart, I think. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, Matt Leinart. And it was some really other great uh, players on that team. But, um, yeah, I, I would think this is the beginning of an end for Alabama. Uh, and it's mostly because players can spread across the nation a little bit more because they can actually get money in their pockets. So maybe uh, Alabama op opens up that checkbook to the players. Um, but they probably already <laughs> moving, did. Yeah, it, it probably have been. Uh, but <laughs> you know, there. Uh, <laughs> moving to the NFL. The big news is Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, has been fired after nine seasons with the Panthers. Now, uh, it has been a rough year because Cam Newton has been out the majority of the year uh, with an injury and has been put on season-ending IR. Um, they have been struggling through and had a big boost 
uh, with their now starting quarterback, Kyle Allen, and got on a little streak, but after that, it went all the way downhill. So since the Panthers have been on a five-game losing streak, do you think that that was the best move for the Panthers, and is there more to be done? Um, I, yeah, I, I think it is time for a new voice with the Panthers. Um, of course, they're still going to keep Cam Newton. At least they should, um, because what Kyle Allen is is not the future. Um, I, I never thought he was the future. I thought it was going to be a huge mistake if they were to ever get rid of Cam Newton because they would have to completely start over again. Um, but there probably is more changes to come. Um, I, I feel like the whole coaching staff is probably going to be fired um, by the end of the season. And, of course, it was the right move because I, I think the players, they they kind of stopped listening to him, I think. He was a, a, a very good coach. Um, he led them to a Super Bowl, uh, but that it's been four years since that happened. Uh, we, we can't live on that forever. And what has he done since then? I think make the playoffs maybe one time, and that's that's just not good enough. Uh, you need to capitalize on the best years of Cam Newton, and not making the playoffs and going out in the first round is not good enough. Uh, I don't think that they actually tuned him out. I actually think they – these players actually really did like Ron Rivera. They might not love him, but I think they really did like him, uh, especially Cam Newton as he kind of uh, expressed through social media when he heard the news uh, today and everything uh, about Ron Rivera being fired. Um, I just think that somebody had to fall on the sword. Somebody had to go down. It was going to be Cam Newton. And they had to take out somebody who has a big name in the NFL when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And it came down to it being Ron Rivera because of the five-game losing streak. Um, they just lost to the Redskins. Uh, so I, I think that was like the uh, nail in the coffin. Um, he was doing very well. He actually probably would have been trending, trending a whole lot more towards coach of the year uh, when they were going on the win streak. But mostly because they didn't have Cam Newton, but they've been putting up a good fight. Like, I really don't think the Panthers are that bad. It's just hard to say where to adjust the team. Something had to be adjusted, and since you can't, you really can't give up Cam. You can't give up a number one uh, type of franchise player like that. It had to be Ron Rivera. Yeah, it, it was definitely time for a change. They They need a new voice, I think. Um, because people are still living off of that one Super Bowl appearance, and they haven't come anywhere close to that since then. It's been multiple failures each year. Um, and hopefully they can get one of these newer coaches that is a very good play caller and maximizes Cam Newton's talent. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully they have one who who knows how to adjust to his game, who knows – what he does best and just form the game around it. That's just, that's the future of the NFL. If they're smart, if the teams and the, the coaches are smart. Um, but to ask the last question about his firing, how heavy is the interest in Ron Rivera to other teams in the NFL? I think the interest for Ron Rivera is actually pretty high. Um, there's going to be a few coaching jobs that might open up. 
Uh, a lot of people are speculating the Cowboys because they don't think they're going to go anywhere. But I still think the Cowboys will still keep their coach by the end of the season. Um, I'd say probably the Bears, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Um, he's not a bad coach. I, I think if he doesn't get a head coach immediately, uh, a head coaching position immediately, then he'll definitely get one as some type of coordinator and work his way back up to head coach. Yeah, I think the interest is very high. And it literally had just came to me because I was just kind of reviewing over what team that might really want him as a coach. I can see the Browns. I can see the Browns with Ron Rivera. Because uh, I, I, I don't see him going to the Cowboys. That just That's not a big enough name for uh, the Cowboys, and they don't kind of want to take on somebody who's losing in the NFL. Um but I really do think the Browns would benefit from getting Ron Rivera. I think he would do very, very well there. Uh, I'm not even sure what kind of guru, guru he's supposed to be, like whether he's an offensive guru or whether he's a defensive guru. I'm really not exactly sure. He's um, more defense. Okay, okay, because I really didn't know, because most head coaches are a guru at some as, aspect of the game uh, that makes them the head coach. Um, but – I, I think that, yeah, the Browns would be a great place. And, I, of course, they they do have a coach right now. It's uh, Freddie Kitchens. But um, moving on to another part of the NFL with the Sunday night game, the Patriots versus the Texans, it was, hey, uh, another outing for the Texans to show that they may need to be taken serious uh, as they have now gotten to 8-4. and four. Since they've given the Patriots their second loss, uh, winning 28 to 22 on Sunday night, um, how much do you think the Patriots have to worry after this loss on a scale to zero to one? Zero being no worry and 10 being big worry. I think it's a six. Mainly because they, they can't get anything going on offense. Um, it's the same problems that they've had all season when it comes to the offense. Um, they they can't protect well in the past, don't have too much of a running game. And mostly everything is gone. Uh, it, it goes through either Edelman or James White. Those are really the only two that Tom Brady can depend on to kind to mostly get open. Um, the other receivers, they're not really too much of any anybody that can get over the top or anything. And um, the defense, they, they struggled. They, they struggled against uh, the Texans' very good offensive weapons. Um, and actually, Deshaun Watson, he's had a lot of success against the Patriots before. Um, he just was never able to close the deal. But this time he actually did. Um, so I, I think they have a good amount to worry about because they do have to play against Patrick Mahomes, um, for the next game. And they're going to see more teams like this in the playoffs who can put up big points. And it looks like their offense can't keep up with that right now. So they're really going to have to change a lot. Oh yeah. And not to try to like one up you or anything, but I would say about a 6.5, not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> because seven just seems kind of severe 
and six just mean it feels a l- only a little bit too low. So it seems like a medium to high medium issue with the Patriots right now. Um, so that's why the only reason why I picked the six point five. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they have some things to worry about. Uh, it's not too immediate, and it is immediate, but. Being 10 and 2, it's hard to say you have a lot of flaws or that you have to change too much because it actually has led to to success. Yeah, I would agree on the outside looking in. Um, But these problems have been this way the whole season. They've just come through to win more more times than not. Uh, And whenever they play against better teams, it just shows more. So I I think it's still some things to worry about. I think they have a little bit to worry about, only because of the tail end of the season and where the seeding will uh, eventually decide who they play and where they play them. They would love to be in Foxborough, and now they've left themselves very open to another team, which we're going to mention next. Uh, But the rest of their schedule, which is only four more games left in the NFL uh, for teams, their last four games are the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Dolphins. Now, you would think that this is an easy part of a schedule, but, of course, we think the the Chiefs are going to be hard. Bengals haven't won much, but – I, I, I actually think that's a win no matter what. Now, the Bills have been very good, and they're also in the same division, which is very threatening, uh, along with the Dolphins, which have out of nowhere said, I, we're choosing to win this year. Uh, I think they've already gotten to about four wins, and they could have gotten more if they weren't trying to intentionally lose games early in the season. Um, but uh, I'll go ahead and ask out the question so we don't go too long here. Uh, so the Chiefs and the Pats match up next week. So, with a lot on the line, who has the upper hand in this matchup? The Pats' defense or the Chiefs' offense? I would say the Patriots' defense has the upper hand, mainly because they're playing at home. Um, They always play well at home. I would say since they're playing at home, the Patriots' defense, uh, they play very well at home. and over the past couple of games, Patrick Mahomes, he hasn't really played to that level that we usually see him. Um, the defense looks like they've been playing better over the past couple of games. And also uh, the running game. He hasn't had over 200 yards passing over the past couple of games. And that's not what we usually see from uh, Patrick Mahomes. And everything else has been working well. So as a team, I think the Chiefs have been doing better, but Patrick Mahomes, he's kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I I, I agree. He's came back to life, to earth a little bit with his stats and like uh, how we probably should have been thinking earlier in the season, but he's still quite impressive. Um, now to answer the question, who has the upper hand, the pass defense or the Chiefs offense? Hmm. Right now, I may say it's the Pats defense. I didn't think I was going to choose the Pats defense, but Patrick Mahomes is still coming off of injuries. He's 
they they were quite impressive this past week where they scored 40 points. Uh, I think it was the sixth. Uh, six, it was either six or seven points that the Oakland Raiders got. Uh, but th- that was quite impressive. But if you watch the game a little bit there, the defense came up a whole lot for the for Patrick Mahomes personally, along with other players on the team. It was more of a collaborative effort. It wasn't overpoweringly uh, Patrick Mahomes. So I'm still going to give it to the past defense since they're still ranked number one in the league uh, this year um, and kind of taper my expectations on the Chiefs offense this year. Yeah, um, they they have the weapons to explode at any point. Um, so I, I think they could still put up big numbers. But for right now, what I've seen from the past two games, I think the Patriots defense has the upper hand just playing at home and being in their own stadium. Yeah, uh, agreed. So uh, we move on to a very, very, very great uh, matchup against the 49ers who go into this matchup at 10 and one on the season, only losing one game. And the Ravens coming into this game nine and two, only having two losses, three losses between the both two, both teams once this matchup has begun. Uh, so the team that comes out on top is the Baltimore Ravens. Not an overwhelming uh, type of way at all, but the type of win you want to get uh, in these type of situations, knowing you will last out and be the top players or the top team uh, at a tight match like that. But with it being a very tight game, all the way through, which team made a bigger statement, the 49ers or the Baltimore Ravens? Really, I think it was the 49ers because a lot of people thought that they were fraudulent, that they hadn't played too much of anybody. And whenever they did play somebody, they lost. Uh, When it came to the Seahawks, they they lost that game. but I, I think the 49ers, they proved that they could hang with the best talent in the NFL. And I, I had already thought that beforehand once they beat, like, the Packers and multiple other teams. But um, that the defense for the 49ers is for real. I mean, they did struggle against uh, Lamar Jackson because he's just so elusive and you can't get him down. But they kept the game very close. They had a chance to win the game. They were trying to be very aggressive and go for it on fourth down a lot, but that didn't play into their favor. But if they met again, I I think they might be able to win the game, but it depends on where the game is being played. Yeah, I actually, I completely agree. Uh, It was the 49ers who made more of him. It made a bigger statement. I, I, Thought that the defense would falter. They they got got here and there. Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. He's going to make impressive runs, but he didn't hurt them too bad. They did hold him back. They do have an, a a great defense. Uh, it's just that they played smart ball on the end of Baltimore the Baltimore Ravens. They the coaching actually came through in this situation and decision making decision making uh, really came through at the end for the Baltimore Ravens, just showing that they are very great ball clubs on both sides. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, Lamar Jackson, he just made 
an even bigger case for winning the MVP this season um, by beating another top seed in the NFL. Uh, but the 49ers show that they could hang with any team when it comes to talent. Agree. I I definitely agree. Um, so which of the 10 and two teams do you feel are pretenders and who are real contenders? The Saints, the Patriots, the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Seahawks. Which ones are pretenders and which ones are real contenders? Really, uh, I feel like all of them are contenders. They all have great players on both sides of the ball. Um, they all have great potential to make it to the Super Bowl. But if you were asking me to rank them in order as far as yeah, go ahead and give me five. Contenders. I was just about to ask that, that now because I tend to find it more. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, really, I would put the. Who's your five? In number order? five, I'm, I'm going to put the 49ers. And then I would put the Patriots. And then I put the uh, Seahawks, Saints, then Ravens. That would Ooh. be my ranking of five. And I can't be mad at that one. I really can't. Uh, whew. I'm going to put, I would say I'm going to put the Patriots at five and then really no hate. It's just they, they have, they have worry. Most teams don't have too much worry on it. Anyone out of these 10 and two teams, they have the most worry to worry about right now <laughs> to say it like that. But Patriots, then I put, I put the 49ers cause I can't put them above. I can't put the Seahawks below them. Uh, so then I put the Seahawks, then the Saints, then the Baltimore Ravens because the Saints have just been a all around good team whether Drew Brees is there or not. Yeah, they actually I, I feel like they've been better with Teddy Bridgewater than Drew Brees uh, because Teddy Bridgewater hasn't lost with the Saints. Um, Drew Brees has, and they have a great <laughs> test with <laughs> the Forty ers coming up uh, this upcoming Sunday. Well, that's funny because, of course, Drew Brees has losses because he's played for them for many years. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater has, what, maybe been with them for three years? Oh, I think no, 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 what I'm saying is this year, just this year. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Because <laughs> I was like, of course. But I, I hear you. You're definitely right. Um, uh, I, but I can't. I can't really say that they're better with Teddy Bridgewater. I just think they have a very good future in, in ahead of them. Especially if they do win the Super Bowl this year, uh, then Drew Brees can ride off in the sunset and Drew, sorry, uh, Teddy Bridgewater can just step in with complete ease and the team doesn't lose too much there. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Um, I think that the Saints are definitely a Super Bowl contender, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to struggle against the 49ers because that defensive line is for real. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So uh, with the Ravens having a complicated rest of their season, do you feel that the Ravens can actually win out? They have the Bills, the Jets, the Browns, and the Steelers playing players and teams in their same division. Yeah, they they can win out, but I think one team is going to catch them. One of these four teams is going to catch them whenever they least expect it. And most likely, I feel like it'll be somebody within their division who's going to catch them. Um, 
And really, it might come down to if the Patriots lose one more game, they might just not even worry about it. Yeah, I, I can hear you on that, but I think they're going for impressiveness. I think they're going for uh, Lamar Jackson. Let's give a, the best campaign for Lamar Jackson to win the MVP because it's going to be hard. There's a good old boy on the other end because I really like Russell Wilson. That's the reason why I like the Seahawks. Uh, but I still think Lamar doesn't Jackson seem like it. <laughs> of course, I hear you, but I like I like to not be biased sometimes. Um, and I like to, when it comes to teams, I like to be down to earth. If I'm going to like a team, I got to be a little bit more down to earth about them more than other teams because I actually like them. So I have to know that I'm not being too much of a fan. As happened and happens for many other uh, Cowboys fans, because I was raised a Cowboy fan, but I disowned them five years ago. Will I, I'll possibly tell that story uh, one day, but Muhammad knows I, I was held accountable. Uh, for not liking them anymore. <laughs> Jump back on the bandwagon. It's not too late. They can make a nah, Super Bowl. I'm good. I wasn't even on the bandwagon. If you get born into it, that's not a bandwagon. You're in it. Yeah, but, I mean, it, you had a choice. You you didn't and, have and to why, like them. And why would I jump on a bandwagon in 6-6? Six and Because six? it's not too late. You can be one of the first ones. Okay. Well, you actually get segue right perfectly into the next subject, which is the NFC East, which contains the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Redskins. Now, what's crazy, the Redskins are not mathematically out of the picture, with it being only four games left in the season, the Redskins being three and nine right now. Cowboys have been disappointing along with the Eagles, which has pretty much made people feel that this is possibly... Um, going to be a race to who can lose the most games or win at least one game out of the next couple games. Cowboys don't even have to win the next two games or two out of the last four games to make the playoffs uh, because of the way things are set up. Now, the Cowboys lost on Thanksgiving to the Bills 26-15 and the Eagles lost on Sunday to the Miami uh, 37-31. The Eagles record is five and seven. The Cowboys are six and six. Is this possibly the worst NFC East teams you ever seen in history? Uh, actually, no, it, it's not. Uh, because I still think that Dallas has very good talent on their team. And oh, I'm not talking about I, talent. I'm talking about teams and record wise. Well, well, if you just say record-wise, uh, it's one of the worst. But as far as looking at their players and their team, no, this this is not the worst teams. Um, the Eagles, they they have talent on their team too. They're just underperforming. They they're just not gelling together. But I think the Cowboys have the better team. They have the better talent. They are just not putting it together. And no, huh? They have the better or the worst in the division right now. They, I, I, <laughs> It, it, that's, that's what it is right now. Like, I think this is the worst uh, NFC East team I've ever seen in history. Like, I, I can't like it is crazy how many losses there are in this division. Why are you at 12 games when there's only 16 in the season at six and six and you're the leader of the division by a game? Yeah, but um, I remember not too long ago, the Redskins actually won the division 
with Kirk Cousins with only eight wins. So this this division historically okay. is mediocre. They have mediocre division winners who gets on the roll and sometimes make it to the Super Bowl or get bounced out in the first round. Yeah, and I'll tell you which way I, I like to see this. I, I like to see it go so mathematically messed up that they have to uh, look at who's the worst and make and let them go into the playoffs at the four speed uh, slot because they're they're guaranteed to be only the four spot, but you only have to win your division. Uh, that's the way it works, um, and it's. I, I really don't like the Redskins, but it would be so funny if somehow the Redskins won out and won the division, and they're three and nine right now. Yeah, that would be funny. Um, <laughs> they would be seven and nine. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I, I still think the Cowboys. I, I think I was just a game early when it came to the run, the, the running the table that they're gonna do. They're gonna beat every single team from now on, starting with the Bears and the Eagles. They they lost just like I said. They they were gonna lose to the Dolphins, um, but I, I think they win their next game because they've hit rock bottom. Unless they just want to go and lose to the Giants, but I, I think. The Cowboys, they will win this division uh, because, really, it's their division to lose. It is. It's, it's really being given to them right now. Uh, but uh, Two which, years in a row. Yeah, it is. It's being completely given to them. And watch they lose in the first round. Uh, but <laughs> um, which was more of a disappointing loss, the Cowboys to the Bills on Thanksgiving or the Eagles to Miami Dolphins? More of a disappointing loss, I would say the the Philadelphia Eagles. I I really think they thought they were so high and mighty, like the Dolphins are trash. Everybody's beating them, uh, and we should take care of business. And just look at the Cowboys. They're tripping over themselves. But yet they didn't look what was ahead of them with the Dolphins. They were looking forward to playing the Cowboys later on. They were not really preparing the right way for their competition. They were looking at the Cowboys and seeing how they messed up. Now, the Cowboys losing to the Bills, that's an epic loss. Um, but the Bills are a very good team. Um, I even slept on them, but they are a pretty good team. And they might yeah. make some noise in the playoffs. But um, there's no shame in losing to the Bills. They had a better record going into the game. But there is a lot of shame in losing to the Dolphins. I can agree that it's not a shame to losing to the Bills because they are after this, after the game on Thanksgiving, um, they are nine and three. But I must point out the obvious: the Cowboys lost on Thanksgiving, so it was extremely uh, disappointing. And until the Eagles lost on Sunday, there was no hope for the Cowboys. Uh, trust me, I wanted to lead the story with why didn't Jerry Jones fire Jason Garrett today? Um, Cause it was that catastrophic for those, at least what two and a half days between the two games. I'm, I, I, there's only new life to this because the Eagles lost. Uh, and of course, lost, losing to Miami makes it a little bit more embarrassing, but which one's more disappointing It's going to be the Cowboys, especially when you ruin Thanksgiving. But ruin Thanksgiving for who? The Cowboys most fans. cowboy fans out there. Yeah, I mean, it's not so. disappointing me, but <laughs> Cowboys fans, 
you know how much I'm pretty sure there are Cowboys fans that really ruin their Thanksgiving. And it's it's they literally each time give them give the Cowboys their heart and the Cowboys wait for the best opportunity to stomp on it. Yeah, and you've experienced this before. That's why you let Yeah, that's why agreed. That's why I gave them five years. I literally help. I'll go ahead and tell the story now. Uh, I because it's short. I, I gave them five years. Literally stamped and said, "Hey, for the next five years, if they do not win in the first round of the playoffs, if go at least get past that. I can't be a fan after those five years if they do not do it in the five years. And this is after other times of being extremely disappointed in the Cowboys." Being raised as a cowboy fan and not seeing their glory days since the nineties, because I gave them five years. I gave them five years to be good. The Cowboys. I was raised a Cowboys fan. So first year goes by, second years go by, third year goes by, fourth years go go by. They do not win in the first round of the playoffs. They've been disappointing since the nineties when I really didn't even get to absorb their glory days. Um, I absorbed it a little bit, but I was I was very young. So. Pretty much I interviewed for another team, which I landed on the Seahawks, mostly because of Russell Wilson. And the main theme of the story is I no longer give my heart to the Cowboys because even since then I paid attention on whether I actually would be invested and whether they would break my heart once again. And it keeps proving to be true. So I had to break the abusive relationship with the Cowboys. <laughs> A short story there, but uh, yeah. So I think it's more disappointing for those cowboy fans and that's why that's the most disappointing loss where the eagles they still feel like they as long as they get it straight they can win it out well i think you you had to break away is because you bought into all the hype that all the well most of the cowboy fans out there get into where they think it's the cowboys year every year and they just get you all hyped up like they're going to go to the Super Bowl, just like at the beginning of this season. It's and then they the let talent. you down. Yeah, yeah. That's it. But I've, the thing about it is, since I've separated, I've, I've relieved so much, uh, I guess, worry because I don't care at all. And, and it keeps showing that these Cowboy fans keep getting their hearts broken over and over again, especially now you uh, do it on Thanksgiving. So that was the whole point of why I feel that, that that was more of a disappointing loss, even though the Bills were better uh, record-wise. So really, you still are a Cowboys fan, but you, no, you kind of no, no. just you you separate yourself. You you watch them from afar. No, no, not at all. Because I don't root for them to win. I, I don't care if they won the Super Bowl. I wouldn't celebrate <laughs> at all. It really wouldn't matter to me. <laughs> uh, okay, but I, I think it's just all the hype that you bought into. You you bought into all the talent that they might have, and all the hype that all these other Cowboys fans have. That is our year. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. But then they let you down. It's just buying into that hype. I, I bought into talent, and that was when I was actually a Cowboys fan. And I, I was raised into it. So it's not like I had a different team before that point. Uh, so I, I stuck with them, and, but I paid attention also to the fact that they do disappoint you when you have the most faith in their talent that they're surrounded around and their expectations even if they had get a good record they they tend to not tend they they've disappointed since the 90s uh that does end it off and this has been so you think you know sports uh we go into the tail part of this uh which is the trivia part 
Like always, it is three questions. Your guess is about as good as mine. Muhammad comes up with questions. I try to give you a little commentary or whatever I know about it. Eh, sometimes I get them right. Sometimes I don't get them right. But you can guess along with me. Um, go ahead with the first question, Muhammad. In what city were the Houston Rockets originally founded? A, Las Vegas, Nevada. B, Houston, Texas. Or C, San Diego, California. Now, that's quite hard. So you said the Rockets, right? Yep, Houston Rockets. And you also said when it answers as Houston, correct? Yes, I did. Okay, well, I didn't. I don't know. I just had to make sure because and normally <laughs> it's like, uh, are you completely tricking me? <laughs> like, or, uh, man, I, I don't know whether it's gazy or not. Um, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead with the question and answer again. In what city were the Houston Rockets originally founded? A, Las Vegas, Nevada. B, Houston, Texas. Or C. San Diego, California. Hmm. This makes it really hard, but I really don't think it's San Diego. Uh, and I really don't think it's the obvious Houston. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of them as, but I'm going to say it's uh, Nevada. I'm going to go with that. That is wrong. Oh, it's San Diego, really? California. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to wrong. <laughs> Any information on that? Like when it was um, I'm pretty sure they were founded in nineteen sixty seven and um in San Diego, then moved over to Houston, I think in nineteen seventy one. I have to go back and check, but I'm pretty okay. sure that's that, what it was. That's good enough that that was more than I was expecting, so that's perfect. Uh go ahead with the next question. Second question. Who was the first NBA player to accord a triple-double in the All-Star game? A, LeBron James, B, Russell Westbrook, or C, Michael Jordan? Mm. Who? Mm. I wonder, because they used to take it very serious back in the day. Uh, they take it a little less serious, so, but it does increase points, it does increase assists, and of course, if you get rebounds, you can do that too. Uh, so I can't logically break this one down. I can say that, of course, uh, Jordan came before LeBron, and LeBron came before Russell Westbrook, so, uh, just go ahead and repeat the question and answer one more time, and I'm gonna try to answer this out. Who was the first NBA player to record a triple-double in the All-Star game? A, LeBron James, B, Russell Westbrook, or C, Michael Jordan? Hmm. I'm going to just say, this is pure guess, but LeBron? That's wrong. (laughs) It's Michael Jordan. Just go with the Uh, earliest player. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I wasn't sure because I felt like somebody did it, but... I, I probably should have just went with the earlier time. Yeah, of course. I'm 0 for 2 here, but go ahead with the last question there. Who has the most blocked shots in NBA history? A, Dikembe Mutombo, B, Hakeem Aljuwan, or C, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? 
Oh my god, I think I'm about to go 0 for 3. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least I wanted some earlier. I went in golf, uh, but <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, oh, go ahead and get the question asked because I'm, I'm just not sure. Who has the most blocked shots in NBA history? A. Dikembe Mutombo. B. Hakeem Aljawan. Or C. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Hmm. I'm going to just go with the more recent, which would be um, take Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go there. It's wrong. Uh, it's Hakeem Aljawan. Yeah, that was going to be a pure guess anyway. I really didn't know what the numbers <laughs> on that. You got me. You were going off that really Geico commercial. I was just hoping that at some point he hit like a, a achievement mark. I know his career wasn't like super long, but I was just thinking maybe that's one of the things he's remembered for, you know, like what those players who just have one of those stats that's just really impressive. Uh, they get something to the Hall of Fame. I was just hoping that was it. But those were some other great players, too, you mentioned. So it was too hard. Yeah, um, but he, I think he, he's known for blocking, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, but we'll uh, see you next week, and we're going to give you the best of all of the news and sports. Um, comment. Let us know what you like to hear. Uh, we're, we're definitely here to give you what's the update news each week. Uh, so we'll see you next week, uh, and this has been So You Think You Know Sports. See you later.